Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Trying to back down Paul, Durant there, hovering, now Craig comes in, that leaves Gordon open, another three is good! Pitch from Scherzer, caught on and missed, chased a breaking ball in the dirt, Alvarez applies the tag, Scherzer has another strikeout, second time he has gotten Jake McCarthy, and there's one away. Maiden, pressure picked up, and he throws it across, it's Makai Shaw! Two seconds, game clock and shot clock. Harden sizing up Harford. It's a three. Oh! Harden's got 45! Timeout, Boston! Dame challenged by Murray. Above the break. Survey sees two, takes the three. Got it! Damian Lillard knocks down the triple with eight and eight, ten seconds remaining. Three balls, two strikes. Hershaw set. The left-hander comes home. Swing on a miss. Strike three. Struck him out with a slider. Two men out for the Angels. And here's the pitch on Mike. Swings it down and fouls it back behind the plate. Trout's hitting 264. And something's up with Mike. He's going to be checked out right now. Point to his wrist. Yeah, this is, yeah, he's pointing to his outside of his left wrist. And I guarantee it, he's coming out. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Wednesday, July 5th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7, the Suns is adding Eric Gordon, quiet the bench uh, questions. Meanwhile, the Mets, should they try to trade Max Scherzer? The Pac 12, does it need San Diego State? Around uh, the NBA, where are the best landing spots for James Harden and Damian Lillard? Clayton Kershaw and Mike Trout, which is more important to his team the rest of this season? And what else caught your eye since our last show, which was all the way back to last Friday? Here's today's schedule lineup on this show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15, what's up with the Mets? We'll get the latest from Brian Salvatore from Amazing Avenue. 9.30 or so to be interactive action at 602-260-1060 and also the local roundup. That will include Diamondbacks and Mets uh, Tuesday analysis. Meanwhile, the final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup. That will include a whole lot of injury updates, uh, including the National League West obviously impacted, plus the Dodgers and the Angels. I'll get more of that in uh, just a second when we get to the pipeline here. Then after the sports zone, from 10 to noon, will be the extra point. Hosted by Kayla, that will include more phone call time. On to the pipeline we go.
Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, is adding Eric Gordon enough to quiet talk about the Suns bench in the uh, 2023-24 season? And Kayla is here and has the early returns. Right now we are in a 50-50 split between yes and no. Ooh, okay. Uh, uh, Gordon agreed to a two-year contract, including a player option, uh, that's uh, over the, you know, basically for you know, reportedly six million dollars over the two years. Uh, that's according to now multiple reports. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question is: Should the Mets try to trade Max Scherzer before the August first deadline? And Kayla once again has early returns. That we do over on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. If you can figure out how to use Twitter right now, should the Mets try to trade I Max? Heard about that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's been interesting. Should the Mets try to trade Max Scherzer before the August 1st trade deadline? Yes, leading the way at 66.7% of the vote. No trailing at 33.3%. Even I heard about that. Okay, as far as the Twitter thing. Meanwhile, Scherzer's contract you know, pro rates for $43.33 million the rest of 2022 and the, uh, 2023, excuse me, and the full $43.33 million in 2024, then uh, that uh, contract is going to likely going to be a dance partner between the Mets and any presumable interested teams for him. Meanwhile, the former Diamondback first-round pick remained unbeaten now in 10 career starts against the Diamondbacks, his first Major League Baseball team, with the uh, Mets' 8-5 victory in the first of the three-game series on Tuesday. Anything Mets and or Diamondbacks certainly strongly encouraged discussion all week long in the sports zone. Meanwhile, also on the local front, San Diego State has been rumored to be Pac-12 bound. Uh, The mystery escalated in recent days after conflicting reports as to whether San Diego State is actually leaving the Mountain West Conference after 2023. Does the Pac-12 need San Diego State to replace the outgoing UCLA and USC beginning with that uh, uh, 2024 football season? All right, spanning the globe, uh, an NBA free agency began last Friday. The biggest news, uh, really, I think, is that ASU alum James Harden and Damian Lillard remain, at least for now, with the Sixers and the uh, Trailblazers, even though both guards have reportedly asked to be traded. All right, so what teams would be the best landing spots for James Harden and Damian Lillard? The Angels? Well, let's just go with the Los Angeles teams. The Los Angeles teams have some issues. The Angels placed Mike Mike Trout in the injured list with a broken wrist. Shohei Otani uh, was forced to leave the game on Sunday because of injury, and uh, against the uh, that's actually gave up after he got, got clobbered, quite frankly, by the feeble Padres offense. And meanwhile, the Dodgers they had to place Clayton Kershaw on the 15-day injured list, not with a back problem, but with a pitching shoulder injury, which was not that doesn't appear to be serious, but. Which currently injured Los Angeles player is more important to his team's success the rest of this season? Clayton Kershaw or Mike, uh, Mike Trout? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? 
Uh, that's the pipeline. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion categories, whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey will have a news update. That will be followed by What's Up With The Mets. Brian Salvatore is scheduled to join us from Amazing Avenue. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, it'll be phone call time. General discussion, 602-260-1060. Also, we'll get to the local roundup. That'll be topped by some Diamondbacks Mets analysis from Tuesday. In addition to that, uh, we will uh, time pending in that local, local roundup. Have a little more on the Suns and time pending a little on the Cardinals uh, from the uh, uh, from really kind of some news currently in past Cardinals uh, in the last few days here. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castellux HD2 100.7. wall-to-wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. Your home of the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. The Mets, for the first time since May, have won three consecutive games after finishing 6-19 and in June. That six wins in June is the second worst in Major League Baseball behind only the Royals. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. For Mets discussion, we're now joined the sports zone by Brian Salvatore of Amazing Avenue. And, uh, Brian, good to have you on the show once again. Uh, the Mets, of course, not a good season. in the bottom third in the National League in offense, pitching, and, and most defensive metrics. Is there one thing um, amongst that group of uh, you know kind of ineptitude, unfortunately, offense, pitching, or defense that surprised you the most? Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me, Bob. I was like talking with you here. Um, I would say of those three, the pitching is the one that if you had told me before opening day, you know, the Mets pitching will be this bad, I don't know if I'd have believed you. You know, they brought in Justin Verlander, a – you know, a surefire Hall of Famer. They have Max Scherzer, who last year was one of the best pitchers in baseball and has been one of the best pitchers in baseball for a decade or so now. You know, they have the number one closer in baseball. Edwin Diaz lined up to end the games with a flourish and the trumpets yet again. And, you know, whether it's ineffectiveness from Verlander and Scherzer for the first part of the season, the injury to Diaz. I mean, there was one point where four-fifths of the projected starting rotation were on the injured list for the better part of a month. And so the Mets just – they have not gotten anything out of their starting pitching really over the course of the first, you know, half of the season. And then when you when you take away their closer as well, it means that everyone's role gets bumped up in the bullpen. And so not only are you not having the best closer in baseball now, 
well, the guy who was supposed to be your seventh inning guy is now your eighth inning guy. And when the starting pitchers were only throwing three and a third or four and a third innings, the bullpen is getting overly taxed. And so, yeah, I would say the pitching has been the biggest disappointment thus far, although there is some competition there because it has been a relatively disappointing season for the Mets overall. In addition to what you mentioned there with the pitching, is there any chance that there might have been at least a hangover from last season when the Mets blew the double-digit lead and lost in the postseason to the Padres? Um, I don't know about that. Possibly. What I would say about the end of the last season is that it's really more of an Atlanta Braves story than it is a New York Mets story. If you look at the Braves from end of May of last season till the end of the year, they went on one of the best runs in the history of baseball. And, yes, the Mets did lose a lead, but the Mets did not play terrible baseball down the stretch. They, they faltered a bit. They, they did not play to the standard they were holding through July and August. But they were still playing, you know, above 500 baseball. It's just that the Braves were so, so good. Now, they did certainly falter in the playoffs, and, you know, that, that, that is there's no excuse for that. However, I think this season's problems are wholly different than last season's. And unfortunately, I think a lot of them point to maybe a loss of the clubhouse for Buck Showalter. You know, um, he's a manager that's very well regarded among baseball people, but he's never been able to bring his team all the way. He's never won a World Series in all of his years as a manager, even though he's had some great, great teams under his tutelage. And, uh, you know, between the ineffectiveness on the field, a seemingly loss of the, of the clubhouse off the field, I think Showalter is is on borrowed time. I, I think based on what Mets owner Steve Cohen said in a press conference last week, that may not come till after the season, but I would be truly shocked if Buck Showalter okay. is managing this club next year. Okay, you're kind of stealing some of my thunder here from, you know, from, you know, <laughs> but uh, that's no problem. Brian Salvatore of Amazing uh, Avenue is currently in the sports zone. Okay, you mentioned Cohen. He had the press conference last week. He constantly used the word patience. Were you surprised at his approach? Um, a little bit. You know, he's a guy who has made a lot of managers angry, owners angry, rather, because he is willing to spend in a sport when there has been this understanding that teams just shouldn't spend that much. And no one really knows what the rule is, but everyone seems to operate under these shadowy, suggestions and all that. And Cohen doesn't do that. Cohen was willing to spend big, big bucks to make the Mets great. And you would think a guy who was that committed to winning would also be that committed to making a change midseason because if it's for the good of the club, I think he would be able to make the mental argument, okay, I hired this guy, but I'm going to let him go because it's good for the club and we want to win. But what I'll say about Cohen is he's never been able to find a president of baseball operations. He has really wanted a high-level baseball man or woman to be sitting next to him, talking to him about what needs to happen. He hasn't really had that. You know, his GM, Billy Epler, is, was sort of a last-minute choice because there weren't others available after former Mets GM Zach Scott was released from his duties. And so it, it just seems like Cohen doesn't have the confidence on the baseball side that he has on the ownership side. And so I think because he doesn't have that confidence, he is willing to give those people a longer leash than maybe they would be getting if he had a president of baseball ops sitting next to him who could maybe help him realize some of his goals a little bit more strategically and a little bit quicker. 
okay, so it seems you know, mathematically unlikely, but do Buck Showalter and Billy Epler need to reach the postseason for them to return next season? I, I think so. Billy Epler, I think, might have a little bit more of a uh, of a of a leash with Cohen in part because the rumor has been, since Cohen came on board, that he really wants Shohei Otani on the Mets next season. And Billy Epler is one of the people who brought Otani to the Angels from Japan. And so if Cohen feels like Otani has a connection to Epler, I wouldn't be surprised if Epler gets a longer rope. But I do think that they hire a president of baseball operations to oversee what Epler is doing. In terms of Showalter, I think if he does not make the playoffs, he is out as Mets manager next year. And honestly, the way he conducts his press conferences right now, it seems like he's looking forward to not being the Mets manager anymore. Yeah, his teams, um, I don't think there's been many of them that lack attention to detail, but I've watched plenty of Mets games this year, and they seem to do some things that you just don't understand what they're doing, uh, fundamentally or intelligence-wise, so forth. Do you see that same thing? I do, and what is especially frustrating about that is the core of this team is very, very similar to last year's club. And last year's club seemed to me, even though every team makes errors, every team makes mistakes, but they just seemed to be a team that was very, very focused and that was very, very resilient. And I have not seen this club this year be as focused or as resilient as last year's was. And I don't know what it is to blame for that. It's the same coaching staff for the most part. It's the same player personnel for the most part, uh, especially on the defensive side. And the defense this year has been atrocious, as you mentioned in our open here. Um, I I don't know if it's um, just a a cascading effect where when the starting pitching doesn't do well, the, the players in the field are frustrated and not as focused, whereas last year they had such good starting pitching that the innings were moving quicker, perhaps, and the players didn't have as much time to sit and think about what they were doing and then lose mental focus. I don't know what it is. It's incredibly frustrating, and it's something that I think the next offseason is going to have to really take a long, hard look at is, is there a way to improve this team without getting rid of some of its core pieces that are signed long-term? Okay, so the 39-46, and 46, third, fourth place, Obviously, they're way behind, 18 games behind the Braves in the uh, in the East. Six and a half out of the uh, first NL wild card spot. What would they need to do to make a run at that wild card before the trade deadline? Uh, I think a couple of things. The first thing, and this has started to happen a little bit, is a sort of uh, coalescing of the starting pitching. You know, Max Scherzer pitched last night. Did not look fantastic, but gave the Mets a solid effort. Justin Verlander's now had a couple of decent starts over the last few weeks. Um, Kodai Senga has been pitching on regular rest and has not been imploding the way he was on regular rest earlier in the season. And it looks like they must be about to get Jose Quintana back pretty soon. And so when you when the when the starting pitching goes six innings, the Mets tend to win the game. I don't have the number in front of me, but they have an overwhelming success when the Mets starting pitching goes six or more innings. So if they can get their starting pitching in line that allows them to have their bullpen line up the way they want to, and it hopefully will give the lane to guys like Pete Alonso and Francis Lindor to do what they have to do to score the Mets a couple of runs. Now, the Mets have not had trouble scoring runs this season, but they're often giving up so much more than they're, than they're scoring. If that starting pitching can right the ship, I really do think the Mets have a shot at the playoffs. 
but I think the wild card is the best they could possibly hope for. I think the division is already out of out of the question for them. Is there any way that Cohen and the Mets would trade Scherzer or Verlander before the August 1st trade deadline? So Verlander, I'm going to say no, because Verlander is on a two-year contract with an option. So the Mets have total control of him next year. Scherzer has an opt-out after this season. And, you know, he has not looked his best this year. And so I think he may be smart and might want to just take the money he's owed for next season and not opt out. Um, But I could see the Mets, if they got wind that he was going to opt out anyway, possibly trading him. However, I think that you're going to look at players like Tommy Pham, who has they met signed as almost an afterthought this offseason. has been a real, real nice surprise. I think you're going to look at Brooks Raley, their lefty out of the bullpen, and maybe David Robertson, uh, their, their current closer, as the folks that are more likely to be traded. I was going to add those guys in, too. Uh, you, have, you have Robertson, Adam Onovino, Pham, Mark Connor. Uh, you know, might they be moved? I think they will. Uh, I, I think so. Uh, my podcast co-host Chris McShane had said on Saturday that he felt the Mets needed to go seven and one before the break to show the fans they weren't going to be sellers. And the Mets have won every game since Chris said that, so uh, they are they are making him look like a smart man. But I really do think that by the All Star break, it's going to be pretty clear if the Mets are buyers or sellers. And if they're sellers, the guys you mentioned, Hanna. Um, Adovino, Robertson, Brooks Raley, Tommy Pham. I think some or all of those guys get traded. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see someone like a Starling Marte get traded as well, although Marte has had such a terrible season this year. I don't know who's going to want to take Marte. But if there's a team out there who will take him, I think the Mets would be happy to, uh, to, to, to give some of their younger players a, a chance to play every day and not be blocked by these veterans who maybe aren't part of their future beyond this season. That leads exactly into what I was going to say next. You know, younger players. Francisco Alvarez, he had a mammoth homer here yesterday against former Met Miguel Castro. How do Alvarez, you know, Brett Beatty, other top prospects fit in the rest of this year and beyond? So Alvarez and Beatty, I believe, are going to be entrenched at catcher and third base with the Mets for the foreseeable future. Those are guys that were brought up last season in inopportune moments and did not have great debuts, but have really established themselves this year as key players. There's two more position players the Mets have in the upper minors. There's a gentleman named Ronnie Mauricio, who has played shortstop most of his minor league career, who the Mets are trying to turn into a second baseman. It is not going so well on the defensive side just yet, but Mauricio is a big, tall player who has a lot of natural power, and I think they're going to do whatever they can to find a way to get him into the lineup whether late this season or certainly next season. And there's someone named, um, oh, there's a couple other players, I guess, but to me, Mauricio is the big one. You know, I think that Mark Vientos, who was up earlier this year, is probably a DH or maybe a left fielder for them. But Vientos had a lot of opportunities to hit, did not show that at the major league level just yet. Uh, I think he puts it together, and I think Vientos does find a place on this team. But the problem the Mets are coming into right now is that Almost their entire off, uh, defensive alignment is made up by players who were signed long-term or who are very young. You know, you have Pete Alonso, Jeff McNeil, Francisco Lindor, Brett Beatty, Francisco Alvarez on the infield. Alonso is the only one of those guys who is signed to a long-term deal or isn't in his first full season. 
and they're going to extend Alonso. They'd be foolish not to extend him. And then in the outfield, you have Brandon Nimmo in center field. So really, only the corner outfield are the positions that are available to upgrade defensively right now, and neither of their top prospects are really outfielders. So the Mets are going to have to get creative. Maybe they're going to trade somebody, but I, I do think that those two players, Ronnie Mauricio and um, Mark Vientos, are going to have a role, if not on the Mets, in the majors in the next season or two. Okay, let's wrap this up with Otani. He obviously is free agent eligible at the end of this season. I remember hearing that when Otani signed with the Angels, he supposedly didn't want to play in New York. Is that true or maybe just folklore? I've I've heard rumblings of that. I don't believe that's ever been said publicly. But I also think that the Otani who signed with the Angels is not the Otani going into free agency. People thought he was going to be very good. They did not realize they were going to be seeing a once-in-a-generation talent here. And I think once you've established yourself on, a, on, a, on the major league stage, you look to the big stage as the place where you can really blow up. You know, he has the chance to be the Tom Brady of the MLB, you know, where he can be sort of this marquee player that is discussed as an all-time great while he's still playing. And if you're going to be put in that light, there's only a few teams that really have the money and have the media resources put behind you. And two of those teams happen to be in New York City. And one of those teams has an owner who is not afraid to spend his personal wealth to bring someone in. I think Otani makes a whole lot of sense for the Mets, but I think part of that might just be wishful thinking. I do think he's a Dodger next season, but I'm holding out hope that he winds up a Mets. All right, Brian, tell people how to uh, read your stuff and uh, listen to the podcast. Yeah, I am on uh, Mason Avenue. I write a lot there. I also have a podcast called Today Your Love, Tomorrow the World Series on the Fans First Sports Network. And uh, I'm on Twitter at Brian E. Denap. And uh, thank you for having me on again, Bob. I always appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Thanks. And uh, you know, depending on what happens here in the next few weeks and months, uh, we'll do it again, I'm sure. Absolutely. Thanks, Bob. Brian Salvatore of Amazing Avenue. Check out his work. As uh, he mentioned, he gave several opportunities or options there for you. And uh, lots of Mets fans in this town. Many uh, were at uh, Chase Field yesterday and watched uh, Max Scherzer remain undefeated in his career against the team that drafted him. Next segment, more on that. Also, phone call time, 602-260-1060. Also, uh, we'll start that local roundup with uh, some Mets and Diamondbacks from yesterday. Time pending in the next segment. We'll get to uh, a little Cardinals from the weekend, current and former Cardinals. And uh, depending on uh, how I'm doing time-wise in the next segment, we'll get to some Suns. Certainly, lots going on with the Suns. Well, I don't know about lots. They've signed several players. Whether any of them except for one make a difference, I think is highly questionable. Uh, But the Summer League... We know who the roster is in the Summer League now. We didn't know that last Friday. We know now. So we'll get into that maybe a little in the next segment, too. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD2 100.7. sports topics weekly right here on KDUS AM 1060 with me the Doug Gottlieb show 1 3 p.m. It's time for today's local roundup. 
the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time if you want to get in to the Sports Zone to the KDUS hotline 602 260 1060. Once again, general discussion. If you want to chime in, feel free to interrupt at any point in this segment. Uh, meanwhile, topping today's local roundup, the Diamondbacks staggering heading into the uh, All-Star break. They're four and six in the last ten games, but they still lead the National League West over the Dodgers and Giants, both of whom suffered significant injuries uh, since we were here last Friday. I'll get into those in some detail during the National Roundup. That's in the next segment. Back to the Diamondbacks. The best news is Corbin Carroll returned to the starting lineup on Tuesday. For the first time since he left with the shoulder injury last Thursday, Carroll in his first at bat yesterday hit an opposite field home run after off of a former Diamondback Max Scherzer in the uh, Diamondbacks' eventual 8-5 loss to the Mets. Carroll also within the last week named a starter for next Tuesday's All-Star game in his hometown of Seattle. And as of Monday, or also on Monday I should say, Carroll was named the National League Rookie of the Month for June. He finished the month uh, with the Major League leaders uh, for among rookies with uh, with run actually no not just players not even rookies just all players fourth in runs scored in the month of June with 25. He was sixth in runs batted in with 26, and he was tied for seventh with eight home runs. Back to Tuesday specifically. Uh, the Diamondbacks has still never defeated Max Scherzer, who was drafted in the first round by Arizona in 2007 or 6 out of the University of Missouri. Scherzer wasn't great on Tuesday, but he was good enough to win six innings, four runs. Now, three of those were solo homers, and uh, he gave up six hits and two walks, struck out nine. In his 10 career starts against Arizona, Scherzer is now zero, uh, seven and zero, seven and zero with three no decisions. Meanwhile, for the Diamondbacks yesterday, Zach Davies' pitching line was five and two-thirds, four runs, five hits, two walks, six strikeouts. Three of the four runs came on a home run from former Diamondback outfielder uh, Starling Marte. That was during the uh, fourth inning when Davies really labored and gave up. Uh, he had threw 28 pitches and then gave up that three-run homer uh, to Marte. Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks and the Mets were actually tied yesterday at four uh, when Miguel, Has- Miguel Castro, former Met, entered in the seventh inning. Castro had not allowed a run. In fact, he had not even allowed a base runner in his previous seven appearances. Yesterday, he gave up a base runner and then a two-run, a mammoth two-run homer, the second longest home run in Chase Field this season. Uh, to the previously struggling New York catcher, Francisco Alvarez, who we talked about in the last segment uh, with Brian. Also, Arizona did get the tying run to the plate in the ninth inning, but David Robertson, who has been mentioned in Diamondbacks trade rumors among many closers and relief pitchers, uh, Robertson allowed a run before he got the final out yesterday. Personnel news, the Diamondbacks, as we forecast last week, sent the struggling and quite frankly, really bad, at least at the major league level. Brandon fought. They sent him back to AAA Reno uh, after the, another disastrous start last week when he couldn't get out of the third inning. In fact, he didn't get any outs in the third inning last week against Tampa Bay. Also, maybe not that surprisingly, uh, Paven Smith was also sent back to AAA. The Diamondbacks 
Uh, to replace Fod and Smith, they recalled two outfielders, Dominic Fletcher and Kyle Lewis. That was in part because of the you know, Corbin Carroll injury that prevented him from playing the outfield last weekend in the three-game series of which they won two at Anaheim against the Angels. Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks and the Mets play uh, night games the next two days. Uh, tonight is Tommy Henry, now 5-1 with a uh, 4-8-0-8 run average, 5-1, 4-8-0-8. Scheduled to start against the Mets, Cody Singa. And uh, Singa is 5-5 five and five with a 3.53 earned run average. Henry has been a very effective pitcher, especially in his last three starts. He's won two of those. In these three starts, he has a 196 earned run average. He's allowed just four earned runs over 18 and one-third innings. He has never faced the Mets in his brief two-season Major League career. Updated standings in the National League West. The Diamondbacks sitting at 50 and 36. The Dodgers at 47 and 38. And then the uh, Giants are 46 and 40. Uh, no team in the National League West in their last 10 games is above 500. The Dodgers are actually 5 and 5 during that clip. But since we were here last, the Dodgers lost twice to the Kansas City Royals. And last night they blew a lead in the ninth inning and lost at home to the Pittsburgh Pirates. So as I mentioned, you know the Giants over that stretch are three and seven, the Diamondbacks four and six, Dodgers five and five, and we have long since caring about the uh, you know in this show at least not, we don't care about the Padres. Get back to five hundred and we'll maybe think about you again. They're not even close to that. They're six games under in Colorado. Really don't care about them. They weren't going to be very good, and now they've suffered you know just substantial injuries to keep starting pitchers relief pitchers, and position players during much of this season. Also, in today's National Roundup, um, I have some Cardinal stuff here. In case you missed it from last Friday, Buda Baker wants to be paid fairly before training camp, whatever fairly is. I'm sure that Buda has a number, uh, but he wants to be paid fairly before training camp, that according to NFL media. Meanwhile, there's speculation uh, a lot of speculation out there that Zach Ertz will not be ready for the start of training camp. That's just the final. The training camp starts the final week of this month. And Ertz also, speculation is, might actually have to start the regular season on the pup list. Remember, I think it was kind of lost in the Kyler Murray uh, injury from last year. Some may have actually forgotten that Ertz also had knee surgery. He went down in week 10. And, uh, you know, that, you know, hence his, I don't think it's a slow recovery. I think it's a normal recovery. Uh, so we'll see what happens with him. One of the Cardinals note for now, former coach Vince Tobin died over the holiday weekend. Uh, that became public knowledge on Monday. Tobin coached the Cardinals to their first ever, at least the Arizona Cardinals, to their first ever playoff appearance in 1998. All right, the Suns announced their Summer League roster. The Summer League for the Suns begins uh, on July the 7th, by the way. Uh, but some names on here that did kind of catch my attention. Camara, who they drafted, the one draft pick they had this year you know, from Dayton and started his career at the University of Georgia, is on this uh, Summer League team. Also, Marcus Carr, who had a accomplished college career, uh, started at Minnesota, ended up at the University of Texas. He's on the Suns Summer League roster. He's a 6'2 guard. I'm not real sure where he fits into their regular season plans, uh, but uh, he's on the Summer League roster, and he's a person of note. 
a couple of their players that had uh, you know interesting college careers. Well, one guy, especially Jawan Evans, who was a good player at Oklahoma State. Uh, he's been in the NBA and bounced around for a couple of years. He's on the Sun Summer League roster. And the two and two of the players or two of the acquisitions they got back from uh, the Wizards and the Bradley Beal trade, Jordan Goodwin. Uh, who uh, played his uh, college career at St. Louis. He's a 6'3 guard, so I'm not real sure where he fits in either, quite frankly. And uh, in addition to that, uh, Isaiah Todd, who's actually a 6'9 forward, and if he's any good, uh, he's going to certainly make the Suns' regular roster once the regular season begins. He played in the G League last year. When Todd was in high school, some regarded him as the top high school player in the country. As far as the Suns Summer League, uh, they begin their schedule on Saturday uh, against Milwaukee. Then they have games, uh, scheduled games next Tuesday against Miami, uh, next, uh, excuse me, next Monday against Miami, and then Tuesday against New Orleans, and then a Friday game against Utah. And then at that point, the uh, schedule's over. They, they basically go to a playoff format in the Suns. Uh, could be playing in the summer league as long as July the 16th, assuming they win a whole bunch of games in the summer league. All right, coming up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's spectacular sports zone. Uh, at least I think it's a spectacular edition of the sports zone, but I think pretty much every edition is spectacular. Uh, well, the national roundup in the next segment, that'll include. Usually we do a lot of from the scoreboard and so forth, but it's almost all injury updates, and we're going to start with the Los Angeles teams. As we mentioned in the pipeline, a uh, pretty much disastrous last few days for the Angels. Less than disastrous, but not good at all for the Dodgers, and we'll explain what's going on with those two teams in the next second. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD2 100.7. Hey, Phoenix, Doug Gottlieb here. I'm bringing the best sports talk weekdays to you, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final second of today's sports zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. And uh, usually I start this with from the scoreboard, but a lot going on since we were here last Friday. Let's start with the Angels. They've had a bad couple of days. Actually, they've had a really bad couple of weeks, but especially uh, the last two days. Let, let's kind of just go chronologically. First up, the Angels, they have not won a series since Father's Day weekend. They've lost seven of their last 10 games. Their record is now 45 and 44. They are uh, six games out of the wild card spot in the American League. And remember, the American League wild card is a whole lot more competitive with more good teams than the feeble National League. Meanwhile, also on Monday night, the uh, Angels announced that Mike Trout suffered a hammock bone fracture in his uh, left wrist. He was placed on the 10-day injured list. He's expected to be out a lot longer than that, likely August, uh, into August, according to MLB Radio this morning on Sirius XM. Then on Tuesday, Shohei Otani departed as the starting pitcher and the designated hitter. 
in the eventual 8-5 loss to the uh, to the Padres. He had a blister on his middle finger of his pitching hand. Uh, he gave up. Uh, he left the game after giving up consecutive home runs to Xander Bogarts and Jake Cronenworth with nobody out in the sixth inning. He allowed five runs, seven hits, struck out five, and walked four in that game. Otani said through an interpreter that he will not be pitching in next week's All-Star game, but that he is. Uh, he said he'd be available to hit. So we'll see what happens. But yesterday he had to leave and leave the game as a DH with the blister. The Dodgers, since we were here last Friday, lost twice to the Royals. That was over the weekend. Then last night they blew a ninth-inning lead and lost to the Pirates. But uh, unfortunately, the news is worse as far as their pitching staff's concerned. They lost two starting pitchers to injury. Clayton Kershaw placed on the 15-day injured list, but not because of a back history issue. That's, uh, that's, of course, something we've talked about for many years, which has plagued him. Uh, this time, he's dealing with a shoulder injury. Uh, his term was his shoulder was barking, and then they ended up putting him on the injured list like, like 24 hours after he claimed that and said that. Uh, this uh, kind of adds to the Dodgers list of you know, you know, pitching questions and injuries. Julio Urias and uh, Tony Gonsolin have both spent time on the injured list this year, but they haven't pitched as well as they did last season. Urias came, over, came back and was activated over the weekend and got kind of dinked and dunked to death and uh, lost at Kansas City. Gonsolin got clobbered again in his last start. He's had some, uh, you know, two or three extremely bad starts here of late. Meanwhile, uh, ESPN uh, believes that that as far as the Dodgers and Kershaw, they're targeting an early return of the, uh, after the All-Star break. Uh, Dave Roberts kind of indicated that. So uh, it's possible Kershaw will be ready to go as soon as he's eligible to come off the injured list, which would be late next week. Meanwhile, on Tuesday, the Dodgers revealed the worst news. They announced that Dustin May is out for the season. He's going to Tommy John surgery again. Um, He's going to have right elbow surgery again on July the 18th. That's the second time he's uh, had that. He missed... Much of the 21 and 22 seasons after undergoing Tommy John surgery. He's made just a total of 20 starts over the last three years now. He's 7-5 and five with a 321 or run average, pitched 101 innings. Uh, he was very good so far this season. 4-1 uh, you know, with a 263 or run average in nine starts before he went down against the Twins earlier this summer. So, the Dodgers counting Kershaw in May have now had seven different starting pitchers this season that spent time on the injured list. And Walker Bueller, who hasn't pitched this year while recovering from Tommy John surgery, he's hoping to be back late this season, but that's likely going to be as a relief pitcher. Also around Major League Baseball, it's not often that Aaron Judge and an injury with him do not start this particular segment. Uh, but he's been out for a month with a torn ligament in his right toe. But he did tell reporters yesterday that he will not be having season-ending surgery during the season. Um, we're not going to do it this this year, he declared. He's made some progress, telling reporter that he's, uh, reporters that he's starting to do some light hitting drills. He's also started to play catch last week. No clear timetable as to when he might actually return. He's been out for approximately one month. 
Also on Tuesday, the Astros, who have won seven in their last ten games, got some bad news when they uh, scratched Jose Altuve, uh, an oblique an oblique injury. Usually these are a few weeks. We'll see what happens. Also remember the Astros still out still without Jordan Alvarez, who's out with a, an oblique injury. Also MLB stuff. Couple other quick things: the Giants lost Tyro Estrada. He's on the 10-day injured list. He's going to be out much longer than that. He actually has a uh, right hand fracture, excuse me, left hand fracture. And Anthony Deslafani was placed on the 15-day injured list with shoulder fatigue. And the Padres designated the old-timer, and unfortunately looks like he's completely over the hill and done now, Nelson Cruz, for assignment. So that means they have seven days to trade him or basically release the 43-year-old slugger that's a lot um from the weekend last few days that's basically all from the last three days really as far as the injuries go all right stay tuned the extra points coming up next with caleb 